the Radio Essentials podcast. A podcast about radio with your host, James Marriott. Hello and welcome to the Radio Essentials podcast where we celebrate the wonderful medium of radio in a style akin to that of Justin Bieber fangirling. The screaming, that'll come a bit later on. I'm James Marriott. Thank you for joining us. As ever, we are joined by a guest from the big wide world of the wireless. And today it's Sean Goldsmith. By way of an introduction, Sean, because I don't know if I can keep up with which stations you're on, to be honest. At the moment, you are uh, you are Virgin Radio. Is that right? Yeah, uh, my two day jobs, uh, well, one's a night, well, they're both nighttime actually, so that's a lie, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> Virgin Radio chilled uh, six till ten Monday to Friday. Uh, Virgin Radio UK overnight, and also Virgin Radio anthems at the weekend. Uh, they're the three uh, from from the Virgin Network. Yeah, that's that's a good little that's a good trio. That um, you, you you're quite a, a resume of, of of radio stations that you've been involved in, which we'll get to shortly. We always start the uh, podcast with a round of the celebrity birthday games because you know it's radio, and that's what we do. Okay. Uh, so we've got four people, four celebrities who all have a birthday in July. The question, of course, is whether or not their age is higher or lower than the last one. Okay. Um, it's just for fun. There's four points up for uh, grabs. Uh, obviously, we need a starting point. So your starting point, and I guess, I mean, I guess he's the competition, really. So Radio X presenter Johnny Vaughan. Um, you know, pretty pretty decent career in in TV and broadcasting. But how old is is he on the sixteenth of July? So just have a so have a stab. A bit older than me, uh, just. I think he might be about fifty three. You're not far off, actually. Fifty six for Johnny no. Vaughan this uh, this year. I, I think I'd have put him a little bit a little bit younger. So obviously, it gets easier from here because you've only got to say higher or lower, really. So uh, next, we are going to actor extraordinaire. Woody Harrelson, 23rd of July, his birthday, higher or lower than 56? Higher. It's been around for a long time, hasn't it? Yes. I like. Was it Cheers in the 80s, I remember? Yeah. It's got to be higher. Story? It's got to be higher, James. 61. You oh, are right yes. to go higher. This is, I mean, this is episode 12 of this podcast. So um, 12 times 4, whatever that comes out as. We've done a lot of the celebrity birthdays. This one, I honestly think, is the most difficult one that I've ever given to anyone. Partly because you'll not know who she is, but you will. So, Yardley Smith. Um, she, she, she is an actor, uh, but... She's best known for being the voice of Lisa Simpson. Everyone everyone oh, knows the voice. Yeah. How on earth you're going to know how old she is, I don't know, because Lisa Simpson is about seven or something. So, so she's um, been doing that since 1989. That's when The Simpsons started, isn't it, around that time? So what's that? <sighs> Nearly 35 years almost. <laughs> I like this. I, this is good logic, this. I like the way you're working this out. So I think she would have been fairly young. I'm thinking she might have been 20 odd when she started. So I'm going to go younger, just. So we're going lower than 61. Yes, just lower. lower than 61. Yes, I think I, so. I cannot fault your logic or conclusion on that. 58. So oh, you're absolutely right to go. That was closest. You'll get to my fangirl 
bit there. <laughs> <laughs> now, you're doing really, really well here. This is another fairly tough one, I think, to finish on. So for your final point, Michael Flatley. He, of course, is the Lord of the Dance. Yes. But oh, 16th gosh. of July, higher or lower than 58? I don't have any logic with this one at all. I can't even start to... I'm like a contestant on the chase, aren't I, with this? Trying to figure it out. <laughs> um, I'm going to say higher. I, I think he might just be in his 60s. 64 this year, oh. Michael Flatley. That's a clean sweep. Well done. You got them all Got them all spot on. You get all your gold stars to adorn on your home studio wall there. Shall for, we stop um, now, then, if we peaked? Is that it? <laughs> that's, the, that's, the, that's, the, that's the highlight. Right, Sean, let's talk about some radio. And um, I, always, I always ask people this question first because I always love the variety of answers that I get from, from this. But what, what was the moment when it all kind of, when that light bulb kind of went off and you thought, oh, my God, radio, I love it. That's what I want to do. Don't know. The thing is, I wanted to be a footballer and I was quite good at it. And I had trials for Leicester City, sort of 1986, 1987 time. And oh, it, really? it, went, it went fairly well. And I didn't get through to the next stage, though. I thought it, I th- I thought it was a great game that I played in that trial. <laughs> didn't work. And then I had to stop playing football. I had a bit of an extra bone in my knee and the doctors suggested that it would be a good idea to stop while I'm still growing. Mm-hmm. So I retired about at the age of 14. And then I just had this massive interest in music... And it, that that started in 1986, and then there was there's the advert I saw in the Leicester Mercury uh, for the new hospital radio station that's starting uh, Radio Fox, and I just applied for it, and obviously started volunteering. But I don't know what the flame was to start it. It was just a love of music, and then seeing this advert, and and that was it. Really, it was just a love of music. Really, I'd had no ambition to to be a presenter at any stage until you know, walking through the doors of hospital radio. And even then, I was just interested in music, to be fair. Uh, we've had a couple of guests as well who've, who've sort of told similar stories. I think people think, oh, you know, to, to make it on the radio now, you've got to have been studying radio presents at the age of five and, like, going into radio stations from being 10. I love the fact that, you know, for, for you, it was a totally different process. When When did the first kind of proper gig come along then? Uh, so I did hospital radio 88 and 89, and I was still there in 1990, actually, but I did my very first professional show in 1990 at Leicester Sound. I was only 17. I was just filling in on the uh, the drive time show. Uh, David Lloyd, who you know everybody knows in radio, he yeah, was well. the program uh, boss. He was the one that got me in. And he said, I'll give you a tryout. And that was the show I started. That was September 1990. remember it very well. I didn't appear again until about late 92 that's how well it went um <laughs> so but in the meantime you know i i got into the radio station the door you know was open i was doing tech hopping i was doing looking through the papers for the breakfast presenter i was uh, filling in on saturday sports show in 92 i think it was early 92 and uh, eventually i got the evening show in 1993 how long were you there i was only there a year because then an opportunity came up at Trent FM in Nottingham. Uh, the GWR group had just taken over. There was an evening show uh, available in in Nottingham, and I just actually started a relationship with a Nottingham um, girl. So I, I was desperate to get over there, and I was so lucky that I did. I got the evening show there. How did that go? Brilliant. Two and two amazing years because I'd, I'd started to work at Castlegate 
where, of course, Trent FM is, the legendary building. So many big names had worked in that. And all of a sudden, I was I was working with people that I'd listened to, you know, getting ready for school, etc. People like Danny Cox, John Peters, Paul Roby, you know, all of these people that I'd listened to growing up. All of a sudden, they were sitting next to me in the presentation office or they were sitting opposite me whilst I was doing my show. And it was just overwhelming completely overwhelming to to work there i felt like i was cheating the system i should never have been there in the first place uh, <laughs> but it was it were two amazing years rob wagstaff was my boss and he would still go down as one of my favorite people to work for he was such a laugh but you you know he just made it so pleasurable to to work for him but uh, yeah i always look back very fondly at the two years at trent it was it was it was such a good radio station as well wasn't it trent because it, it had I don't know if I could like think how to phrase it, but there was just something about it. Like Nottingham's obviously not like a massive, huge city, but but Trent feels like it punches above its weight in terms of like compared to the size of the city within the the UK. It's always been an incredible, always yeah. was an incredible radio station. Um, I think there's just so much love for the radio station from Nottingham. You know, it yeah. it really took it under its wing very early when it opened. And uh, that love continued all the way through, even, I think, right to the end before it became capital. I still I still think there was a, a lot of love for that radio station. Sadly missed, I think that one is. Yeah. So what happened from, um, from, from, from there? I moved from Trent to uh, Mercia, actually, Coventry. I wasn't there full time. I was just doing a few swing bits. And I, I've been, as you'll hear through, you know, our chat, there's, there's many... Uh, stories of things just falling into place for me. I've been so lucky. Uh, so I, I go over to Mercia uh, to fill in on the evening show for two weeks for a girl called Rachel Hopper, and she leaves. Then then there's the gap. So I, I somehow managed to get that, which is lovely. Then a new boss comes along, Alex Rowland, and he really likes what I'm doing. So I'm, mid, I'm on, <laughs> on mid-mornings within about two months. <laughs> And only went to do a couple of evening shows. And then he 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 was loving what I was doing, so I ended up on breakfast. My first breakfast show was Mercia. So it was a, another little whirlwind there, another very unexpected uh, uh, twist uh, with everything. But Alex, again, was a, a lovely guy to work for. He made it so enjoyable, and he was so supportive. Uh, still chat with him occasionally now. And, um, yeah, so Mercia was my first breakfast show in 97. Even, I mean, evening shows... The, the, the few and far between now, aren't they? And it, it used to be such a cornerstone of that of that kind of you know regional um, radio. But compared to evenings, then how did you find breakfast when you started doing it? It was different, and I know it's it's an obvious statement, but you had to talk more. You had to talk after every song, which I'd never done that before. I'd been okay. doing you know evening shows. Well, I did Leicester Sound evenings, Trent FM evenings, then Mercy. So I was just doing the, the standard format. Uh, so I did find it quite difficult, I remember, at the start, having to talk after every song. Because it, it's such a different ball game, isn't it, Breakfast? It is like nothing else on the schedule. But I, once I settled in, I think it took a couple of months for, for me to really settle into Breakfast. Uh, but once I sort of got the hang of it and I realised I could really open up and, you know, the freedom was there to, to really be yourself, then that's when I really started to love it. I was working with uh, a lady called Claire Connolly. Uh, who was a local girl from Leamington Spa, I think she was. Uh, she was already there, and uh, I joined her on the breakfast show. Uh, she was really lovely as well. She helped me, even though I'd been more experienced than there. She was still, you know, very, well, very good to, to work with. She sort of could see I was struggling a little bit, so she just sort mm. of gave me that freedom to, to sort of open up and be myself instead of trying to, you know, take control. And uh, so, yeah, it was, um, 
it that that didn't last long, unfortunately. I think I was only there just over a year um, on on Mercia Breakfast because um, the 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 big boss of GWR uh, wasn't a massive fan. I uh, it, but that was credit to uh, Alex Rowland because Alex Rowland knew that this person wasn't a massive fan of me. Didn't quite get the humour. Uh, but he still promoted me to mid-mornings and breakfast. <laughs> so I have Good a lot lad. to thank him for. Good on him. Good on him. So uh, a year at Mercia, what, what, what happens next? Um, to be fair with you, I was a little bit um, battered in a way because I, I'd had this issue with this big boss and it, it was in really knocking me down. And I just thought, is this worth it? To be fair with you, James, when I took to uh, Leicester Sound Evening, because I'm from Leicester, I never had any ambition after Leicester Sound to do anything. That was it. I peaked. I'd got Leicester Sound Evening Show. That's all I wanted to do. Yep. So I didn't really have a plan of, I want to do this radio station. I want to do this show. Everything just sort of fell into place. And when I got to the end of Mercia, I thought, well, I've lost this job. I uh, didn't have my contract renewed at Trent as well. So I had two sort of kickbacks and I thought I don't know if I want to carry on maybe I've done what I need to do so this is a true story that I was actually living in um, in Coventry and I'd lost the job and I thought I'm going to go back to live in Nottingham where my now uh, ex-wife was you know from and I'm just going to be a postman so I went back filling the postman application form in and no word of a lie I'd forgotten that I'd sent a demo tape to a guy called Mike Vitti uh, it's a new radio station in Tamworth uh, called Centre FM. I can't even remember sending the, the tape, but I did. And just as I'm filling in the application form to be a postman, uh, I get this uh, phone call from Mike saying, uh, love the demo, any chance we could have a chat? So I thought, yeah, why not? I've never been to Tamworth before. Let's have a day out. Uh, so I went to meet Mike. Um, the, the station hadn't launched at that stage. Uh, he wanted me to do breakfast, which I did. And again, it's another... Uh, another one that sort of falls into place with, you know, so much luck, really. I, I love that that image of you literally sitting down to to fill in the form. By the way, why why postman? That seems very random. I think it was because it was early morning. I think it was because the freedom that you got, and it just always appealed. When I wasn't in a when because obviously I didn't start at radio. I, I did normal jobs before radio. I worked in a warehouse and um, also a factory as well. And I always quite liked the idea of working as a postman. I always thought that would come next. Uh, so I, it was like an extension of that, really. Fair enough. I So I, I remember the first time I you know, remember kind of hearing you and, and, and really kind of knowing what you, you did was at peak. So when, when did when did that come, come about? There was a busy period, James. <laughs> From uh, 98 to 2000, I was at Centre FM. And then I had a call... Uh, from uh, John Harrison at Hallam. He'd just got the breakfast show taken over from Daryl Denham. And I'd known John from Mercia. He used to do some bits on my breakfast show. Oh, okay. He used to do uh, crazy stuff. like There was a, a feature called Gossip Goose. <laughs> <laughs> I've forgotten about that, where he used to come away. It was just a little thing. I mean, gobble, gobble, it's Gossip Goose. The Queen's wearing red today. That's it. And then... <laughs> and that... <laughs> And it just used to be bits like that ended up being like showbiz news in the end, I think it was. And anyway, so I got on really well with John and uh, he says, I'm going to Hallam to take over the breakfast show. Do you fancy coming to be the producer? Um, because I'd done breakfast shows in the past. And uh, so I left Centre FM to go and work with John and uh, and launch that show with him. 
Uh, that was 2000. I stayed there for oh, a no. year because I was missing being on air. But that was an amazing year uh, with John. We just had such an amazing time. We lived together as well. Uh, just looking back, it was just crazy. We were just two lads getting paid for uh, having a great time. Uh, stayed there a year, though, because I, I was just missing being on air, to be honest. I was doing Hallam Weekends. I was, had a, a Sunday morning show I was doing. Uh, but I just missed the whole thing. And then I got another opportunity to go and work in Brighton um, at Juice. Right. Uh, which had just been taken over by um, Steve King's group. I can't remember. I think, well, I can't remember what it was called now. Forever Broadcasting, that's right. And uh, I went down there and I did uh, mid mornings uh, for six months. And then Giles Squire rings me. And uh, he is the, uh, the big boss of uh, the, the Century Group at that time. So he says, The breakfast show has come available. Do you fancy giving that a go? And then the lure going back to Nottingham because, uh, you know, I love Nottingham. Uh, so I ended up going to Century 106. That only lasted six months, unfortunately. This was such a whirlwind. And um, I got to Christmas 2001 and I was out of work again. And I'd been to so many radio stations in that 18-month period, basically, where I could have stayed at Hallam. I could have easily stayed at Juice Brighton. I went to Century 106. It didn't work out. And uh, all of a sudden I'm there, you know, back to thinking about being a postman, (laughs) (laughs) which I was. Have you ever actually been a postman at any point? No, we're not quite got there yet. Is it, is it still lingering in the background as a, well, you know, still maybe one day? Probably. That's the uh, that's the backup, isn't it? Get the freedom just to walk around and not to have to deal with many people. That's fine. So we're, we're, where are we up to? We're kind of early noughties time, are we now? Yeah, so this this is another one of those moments, again, where the luck just continued because I've uh, I've lost my job at Century 106. I've had the meeting with Gareth Roberts, who says, you know, it's not working out. Unfortunately, I did have a backup plan, but unfortunately, it's a curveball and we can't offer you that now. So, unfortunately, I'm going to have to let you go. So, on the way home, I ring Steve King, um, who had been, obviously, the boss at Forever Broadcasting, uh, Juice, and I said... I've, you know, I've gone, Steve. I've got, uh, I've got nothing again. Ironically, that week, Rob Burney, who was the breakfast presenter at Peak One Hundred and Seven, as it was then, which Forever Broadcasting had also just bought, um, was leaving to go to Beacon, and so there was a gap there. And I was invited along uh, just after Christmas two thousand and two. Uh, met up with uh, Tim Disney, who was the boss there, and Steve King, and I started at Peak, uh, sort of quite late into january 2002 so 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 tell because you, you were at peak for quite a while weren't you tell tell us about tell us about that show and how it how it progressed there yeah the one thing that when i went to peak is that because of the previous 18 months to two years i'd just gone around so many radio stations i wanted to make this one stick right um i wanted to not be a another two-year wonder or three-month wonder whatever you know i wanted to I wanted the CV to look a little bit better, to be honest. So yeah. I, um, I was in this, in this station that was a bit smaller, not as much pressure on it, and I quite liked that uh, at the start. And uh, Becky Measures was there, who, to be honest with you, at the start, um, it wasn't working. And I desperately tried to get a new co-presenter, believe it or not. Uh, we uh, demoed a couple of people, one of them, Sally Pepper, who went on to do the, uh, the weather on BBC News and is on Radio Derby now. Anyway, the big boss, uh, Barry Shaw, the MD, uh, said that, no, she's staying, that's it, stick with her or get out yourself, basically. Uh, so we did, and and it worked. 
and it was weird because me and Becky, and she'll admit this as well, we don't have anything in common at all. We are two very, very different people in every aspect of our lives, personalities and everything. You couldn't get two people on a different spectrum, really. Um, but maybe that's what it made it work in the end, because people uh, could connect with one of us, uh, whichever the spectrum they were on as well, and then we just had such a laugh in the end. Uh, we didn't take it too seriously, and uh, we were really connecting with the area very, very quickly. And by um, sort of 2003, we had such an amazing uh, radio. Um, we were up to about 130-odd thousand. The breakfast peak at 8 o'clock was 30,000 people for a station peak size, which was just phenomenal. So, they, yeah, they, they connected with us very, very quickly and then, yeah, stayed there until uh, 2014 in the end. What what was it then? That, I mean, obviously you mentioned about like that that contrast in in personalities, and um, it's interesting. I've, I, I do uh, some work with with Becky now at the weekends at, at my local BBC station, so I could completely relate to uh, to what you're saying there. Um, but but what what is it then that just made Peak work so well? Because you know, I I was knocking around in local radio at that time, and and it was often talked about as a real shining example of how to do like proper local radio we were everywhere and we literally were everywhere we were in the community we were out meeting people uh we were at people's we were doing school of the week this was very early into it so we were at a different school every single week we were at workplaces we did a show as well where we were out and out. This is a weekend show that we did. I can't remember what it was called now, but we used to do a show from a location or a workplace. And uh, so we were just getting loads of people involved. And Peak 107 uh, was luckily already very well loved uh, from when it started. It seemed to connect with the area. And, and we just came along and uh, sort of rode on the back of that, really, to be honest with you, from the start. But we were, yeah, we were just everywhere. There were so many examples of people getting involved silly things and serious things i think one of the silliest things we did was the uh, chesterfield grand national at queen's park where we just said and we had no plan with this at all i think that's what also was quite funny because me and becky never really had a plan for anything to be fair <laughs> uh, it just all fell into place we had a plan we just uh, came on uh, the grand national was the day after this was the friday before and we said, right, I think, should we do a, a, a Chesterfield Grand National? Because uh, it was school holidays. Uh, so what we'd like is parents and kids to go to Queen's Park and the parents can be the horse and the kids can be the jockey. And you can, you know, we're just going to set a little course up at Queen's Park. Anybody fancy it, just come down to Queen's Park at 11 o'clock. And there were loads of people there. It was just amazing. Honestly, I think we had about 15 to 20 <clears throat> horses as it were uh, in the race and it was just crazy and i was i was gobsmacked because i never thought anybody would turn up it wasn't even like a proper plan it was just a whim it was a link that we did to say fancy this and anyone you know fancy one being a horse or whatever come along and that that was you know that was an eye opener for me because that was quite early into our show and then the serious element i remember one morning um this is how much we're involved in the community there was a house fire and they'd lost everything, really. The, a candle had uh, set a light and uh, they'd lost the front room, basically. The window was damaged, the carpet, the sofa, everything. And we just talked about this because we had a call from somebody saying, can you say hello to my friend um, who'd, who'd had this situation? And we just talked about it. And 
we just said is can anybody help can we get a new carpet or anything can we get a new sofa for this family blah by the end of the show we'd completely refitted the front room including the window <laughs> a window company had actually called and says yeah we can replace that window that's fine brand new carpet brand new sofa completely decorated and everything and uh, that was all within two hours that's and amazing. and that's the connection that um you know we had with uh, with the people of north derbyshire it was just phenomenal that's that's such a good story isn't it because that's like we always think about radio just just asking about but it really can make a difference you know you can really change people's lives with um with 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 local radio and and i think we had that balance as well at peak where we did the silly stuff but we also had the uh, charity calendars of course where we were raising uh, a lot of money uh, for christmas with the the naked calendars i think over the i think we did them for about 10 years um and i think we raised over 150,000 pounds uh, through the sales of the calendars and remember they're only a fiver each mm. so we yeah we always had that connection whatever we were doing there was always something that people could be you know part of and i think i think the momentum was good for for peak at that time as well and then you just become part of their lives don't you after a while once you're on for so long you know it's it's difficult to uh it's difficult to replace something like that um yeah. which they did struggle with in the end but great memories fond memories uh, me and Becky still talk to each other now, you know, so that's good. It, it ended ended quite abruptly, but we're, you know, still mates, which is the best thing. And was it did was it Viking after that? Yeah, it was. John Dash sent me a very late email, I remember. Very late. It was like half past 11 at night, and I was just about to turn my computer off. And uh, he was uh, just messaging to see how I was. Just a bit of small talk, and then he eventually got around to saying there is uh, this opportunity coming up at Viking. And uh, would I be interested? And of course, you know, I said yes, um, because it's Viking FM. It's the mm. you know, it's the heritage station. It was the bucket list, wasn't it? Uh, so I uh, I met with John and Chris Pegg, who was uh, also uh, in charge of I think he was in charge of breakfast shows at that time at Bauer, and uh, met them. And yeah, uh, we we then went to um, to Hallam actually to do some uh, demos with um, some some presenters. But then somebody said, why don't you just try and get Becky to come over? Let's try and get Sean and Becky over to Viking, uh, which eventually uh, managed to persuade Becky. And unfortunately, she didn't go through with it at the end. So it was just me that went in the end. In in a way, that was it was good because I then had a chance to, to sort of show a bit more what I could do because uh, I've been with Becky for 12 years. And I'll be honest with you, James, Becky is a big character. And she was the star of the show at peak in many ways. You know, she she was. So it was nice in a way to, to sort of fly on my own again and give give me a bit of freedom and a bit of chance to, to be myself. So it it worked out well because we had a really good time at Viking. Cool. And, and, and you know, we're getting obviously much, much closer now to, to kind of where we are now. Yes. Radio has changed so much over the years and, you know, I always think, having these having this conversation with you there's been other conversations with guests on this podcast as well whereby you go through all these stations that that you know you've you've, you've done stints at and and so few of them are still still in existence like there's so many of those names that that have vanished over the years you know trent obviously no longer there peak no longer there um juice no longer there so many stations that have uh, that, that have vanished as, as radio's kind of changed what what are your thoughts on on you know kind of when you take a step back and just look at the industry and how things have gone over the last 
you know, 10, 15, 20 years, however long you want to think back. How how do you kind of view that? I think it was inevitable what happened happened because, remember, it was happening already in global uh, when Trent FM, Leicester Sound and Ram, uh, they became capital and, you know, the, all the heart brands, everything. So it started a long time ago. I think sometimes people forget that. There's this, like, big thing, oh, Bauer have ruined it. But to be fair with you, you know, it was happening a long time before then. And it was just a continuation of that. I didn't see it coming as big as it did. I didn't, you know, that day, February, a couple of years ago, where Bauer bought everything, basically. All of those radio stations. I didn't see that coming, I have to say. Uh, But I do think part of it was um, inevitable, really. Because I have an opinion on local radio, which not everybody agrees with. I think there's a generation that was a massive fan of local radio. And I think that generation has gotten a lot older now. I don't think a 25, 35 year old has the passion for anything local, to be fair with you, because they've been brought up on brands, big brands, supermarket brands. You know, they've never had the independent shops in their life, really. Nothing has really been independent in their lives. And uh, local radio has never really been part of their lives. So, yeah, I, I just think it had come to its natural end, really local radio as sad as it is and it is really sad you know I, I hate the fact that these radio stations that I've worked at and my friends have worked at uh, no longer exist and you know I wish it wasn't like it was but I, I just I think it it did what it probably was always going to do unfortunately I, I like the fact that some people are trying to relive local radio um, I just don't think the passion's there anymore for local radio it, it is different, isn't it? And, and you know, the the world's changed a bit. There's no doubt about that. And, yeah. um, you know, you do see... We, we've obviously seen this explosion in kind of community radio haven't we, over the last the last few years. And there's some really good ones, some maybe that, that, that really aren't, aren't, aren't quite at that sort of level as, as well. But for you then, how, how have things gone in recent years? Because I... I you know, I, I remember you doing. We doing overnights on Greatest Hits Radio for for a while, um, and then I think you got kind of a little bit involved in some community stations, and then yeah, did did did, did you was 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 there a point where you kind of I'm, I'm sure there's a point where you went and did like a a proper job for a little while as well, wasn't there? Was was there like a point where you thought maybe like the radio thing was 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 done and all over for you? Yeah. Um. So what happened was I went from uh, Viking to um, Bower City Two. Uh, then that network, uh, which was basically covering the north of England, wasn't it? Uh, Viking 2, Hallam 2, etc. And did breakfast on there for three years. And that was amazing. Not only because um, I was on this network all of a sudden, and I was working in Castle Quay, Manchester. You know, I was sitting in the same chair that Noddy Holder used to sit in. <laughs> you know, people like that. And just the heritage of it. Um, and then uh, I got moved to Late's. And then Greatest Hits Radio came along. I was still on Lates for a bit, and then um, I got moved to Overnights. And then, you know, I think it was December 2020. Yes, it would have been December 2020. Uh, the contract wasn't renewed, and uh, that was the end of, um, of Greatest Hits. And that, for me, uh, because of everything else that had gone on that year with uh, all of the takeovers, I, you know, that was the end for me. I thought, that oh, okay. I've got a lot of friends who are not doing radio anymore. This is my natural end as well, so now... Let's go and be a postman or whatever. And I was part of um, a couple of, and I'm still part of one actually, really enjoying it as well. Uh, the community station in Chesterfield called Chesterfield Radio stayed there for about six, six or seven months or so. 
and then uh, moved to North Derbyshire Radio. Uh, my friend Naz Premji uh, runs that one. He uh, he took me over there, and I'm, I do the breakfast show still. Uh, it's eight till ten every single day of the week, and uh, I I really love doing that because I'm back in North Derbyshire. I'm talking to the same people I was talking to for twelve years. Mm-hmm. So that yeah, that's really lovely actually. Even though I said um, you know and I, it does contradict myself a little bit earlier on, you know, local radio. I think local radio in general isn't what it used to be as a big picture. But it's still nice that the, we've got these little um, you know attempts to to try and grab it back. And there are some decent community stations, as you say. So yes, that that uh, that is ongoing. And I was just in conversation with uh, the the bosses at Bower City Two, uh, Mike Cass and uh, James Grove. And it was James Grove actually who was the my boss at Bower City Two. He's now head of music at Virgin. Uh, just in conversation with him, he was asking what I'm doing. What you know, what's the plans? And he says you need to get a demo really to Stuart Davis, who is the uh, the content controller for Virgin Radio Anthems, Chilled and Groove. And uh, so I did. I got in touch with Stuart and uh, got tried out on a few shows. And then uh, I think it was March 2021 last year, I got uh, Virgin Radio Chilled Evenings. That That's where it went. Again, another really lovely uh, stroke of luck because, you know, I was never, never had that on the radar at all. It's it's it's, it's brilliant that. And, and I think, um, I mean, we it's kind of strange. I think this is actually the first time that me and you have actually spoke but we've been connected on social media for ages and you know kind of you know following that there was a period that felt like that came across as a little bit of a roller coaster where you know it was obvious that that you'd kind of thought that maybe that was it for for radio and then suddenly you you kind of this opportunity comes up on a virgin is a huge national brand isn't it and and now you know kind of doing stuff on the main station all that kind of stuff it, it seems to have been like a whole new lease of life that that's that's that, that, that yeah. that's opened up which is just amazing and you know the world that we live in james uh, voice tracking you know the fees aren't amazing mm-hmm. so i was in a position last christmas that i well, basically i couldn't afford to live so i was in this really strange position where I was doing uh, national radio, voice tracking for Virgin Radio Chilled at that time, and working in a warehouse for eight weeks because I just couldn't pay for Christmas. I couldn't pay for my family. So, yeah, that was the strangest time, having to voice track a national radio show, then go and work in a warehouse for eight hours, and then come home and then do a bit more voice tracking. It, uh, yeah, it was a bizarre time. But thankfully, I've been, you know, again, I just feel so grateful because I've got, and I don't, you know, it's hard because I've got so many friends who aren't doing the job anymore. Mm. But I've been so lucky that I'm now again making a living um, from it uh, because I'm doing Virgin Radio Chilled and Virgin Radio uh, Overnights and Virgin Radio Anthems at the weekend, as I said earlier on. But I'm also doing quite a bit for Lynx FM filling in. I'm doing Greatest Hits Radio in Hull uh, for Nation Broadcasting. So I'm getting quite a little uh, bit of work there as well. So right now it it's going well, but you just don't know when, you know, that rug might be pulled again. So yeah, I'm very nervous, I'll be honest with you. But um, at, the, at this very minute, yeah, I've been very, very lucky to, to still be, you know, making a living uh, from it. And I've got some very good people sort of uh, believing in me, which is good. Is, 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 is Posty still there as like back of your mind, the, the, the backup if you need yeah. it? Yeah, because... <laughs> you could have to do it at some point. I feel like... Well... It's, it's come up so much just I, in this podcast. It's like it's inevitable. <laughs> I will, but yeah, your Virgin Radio at the minute is good. 
and I love doing it. I seriously love doing it. It's weird that out of all of the radio stations that I've I've ever done, uh, when I'm on Virgin, I feel more at home than anywhere that I've ever worked. And wow. this, you know, this is just a huge beast, isn't it? So yeah, I, I just feel really comfortable and really natural on on the Virgin uh, brands. But with swing work, as you know, James and everybody knows that you know you could be the the hot pie for a bit, and then very quickly someone else gets the call to say, "Can you do these shows?" So yeah, don't take anything for granted. Never really have, but uh, the minute especially. I, I mean, it's interesting you say that about feeling really at home on Virgin because what what I was going to ask you is. You know, as you kind of look back over the shows that you've that you've done, what what do you think? What do you think of with the most fondness? What what carries the best memories for for you in 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 terms of you know looking back over your kind of radio career to this point? Gosh, good question, James. I think getting to do it in the first place to actually, and I, I'll always remember my first payday. And it was Leicester Sound, and I actually had money go into the bank from a radio station. And that, that was a lovely moment, obviously, because I'd worked in a warehouse before that, and so to get paid for it. I think the radio station that I will probably have most fondness for when I do sit there in my rocking chair, you know, with my headphones and like Uncle Albion Holy Falls and is going, during the war, but when I was a presenter, I think the 12 years at peak, obviously... You know, it was 12 years and we made such inroads into the community and me and Becky were famous. Still now, I can't go to Tesco at a place called Clay Cross because I live in Chesterfield. And uh, every time, uh, are you all right, Sean? Have you seen Becky recently? Oh, I miss you on peak. <laughs> and it's like uh, you walk through Chesterfield town and you get it. It's still ongoing. And... You know, they welcomed us, well, me, because I'm an out-of-town, and Becky's obviously local, but, uh, you know, they welcome me so much. So, yeah, but I've just been so lucky, haven't I? Every time something stopped, something else was there to start again. And even during the times that we're in now, you know, I've been so lucky that it did stop again, and I was lucky to, to get the opportunity at Virgin. It's, mm. you know, it is it is quite overwhelming. I don't take anything for granted, as I say. I never have done but when I sit back, and I do sit back, I'm quite a reflective kind of person. Uh, it's just how I am. I, I do sometimes sit back and think, blooming hell. You know, I'm I'm sitting under the stairs recording this amazing national radio station. You know, and I went to Virgin last week, actually, uh, a couple of weeks ago, to have some photos taken. And it's just, wow. That was the eye-opener as well. It's like, because you, you do it from home, you don't really get a feel for the radio station completely. But when you walk through the door and you see... You know, the phenomenal building that Virgin is in and you walk through Talk Sport and Talk TV and, you know, you're sitting in the same chair that Chris Evans sat in just a few hours before. Yeah, that really brought it to life. There's one other thing that I want to ask you about, Sean, and that is, um, I, you know, people think about radio presenters as like being, you know, larger than life and super confident and the life and soul of the party, all that kind of stuff. You're you're quite open about um, having Asperger's. Mm. Um, how, how has that kind of affected your career? I didn't know I had uh, the condition until 2015 it was. Um, right. So it's not that long ago, really. So I was well into my um, 40s when I got uh, diagnosed. 
And the reason I got diagnosed, I'll be honest with you, is that I was driving my wife away. I was just so insecure, so paranoid about things. And she says, you need to sort this out or we're done. So I had to, had to go to the doctors and um, had a chat with the doctor and then got uh, sent over to uh, some counselling and you know, was diagnosed quite quickly. But when it comes to radio and, and Asperger's, I think it has held me back in some ways because I don't do the networking, the socialising, because I just can't do it, unfortunately. I've always not been able to do it. And at least I now know why I couldn't do the social events and why I would panic, you know, so much. And it's a very strange condition in a way because I can still do the big road shows, you know, stand there in front of 20,000 people outside being the radio person, as it were. Mm. But if you put me in a room with about 20 people, couldn't do that. Mm. That's where I really struggled. And Becky, um, when I told her actually that I'd got Asperger's in 2015, she went, yeah, I know. (laughs) <laughs> she knew straight away she says that explains everything uh, but when it comes to uh the, the creative bit obviously it's really helped me because you know the brain is slightly wired differently and you know looking back to some of the things i used to do uh which are you know you know where that where they came from was obviously due to the fact my my brain was a little bit different and it has helped me massively with that but it does hold me back a little bit with uh you know that as i say that networking and that social mm-hmm. element you know, which is a big part of radio, isn't it? And that's how you sometimes get opportunities because you, you meet and mingle with the right people. And I've never, ever done that. I've only mingled with people at radio stations. So, again, it's another, I suppose that's another bow to being fortunate. But, yeah, I'm very shy, really. I, you know, I don't... <laughs> I, I'm not somebody that puts anything on for the radio. Obviously, you have to lift it, you know, you have to. And I do that, but... Uh, Mike Cass once said to me when I was at Bower City 2 in Manchester, he says, you are the most normal person I've ever heard on the radio. You know, you will make entertaining radio by talking about it's bin day and stuff like that. And you just make it so relatable. Yeah, it, it it's had its swings and roundabouts, but um, yeah, I'm... I'm sort of pleased in a way that I came uh, to the, you know, the, the appointment to, to be uh, diagnosed with it because it, it gave me the, the reason why I'm like it. And also the reason why I've been so sort of weird on the radio through the years. Some of the things that I've done will can be explained now by, by that diagnosis, really. It has helped. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, I'm sure it's been just fantastic talking about... Um you know what what a, a diverse path you you've had through through radio through through the years and obviously where you find yourself now however we have now reached a point and and this exact moment could well now become the pinnacle of your radio career it's certainly the pinnacle of this podcast uh because it's time for us to play jock against the clock are you ready yes jock against the clock this is how it works then, Sean. You get five questions. Yes. Um, they are all linked in some way or another to the month of July. Five questions. You've got to answer them as quickly as possible. If you get any questions wrong, you get a 10-second penalty. If you get them all wrong, then you're out. Hasn't happened. It's not going to happen today, but I do have to point that out. Mm. Uh, at the moment, our leaderboard looks like this. Michelle Dignam, BBC Radio Manchester, top on 52 points connection there obviously she was involved with big john for quite a long time on hallam as well yes. um bottom of the leaderboard dave cooper from gadio 98 seconds so that's the range 52 at the top 98 at the at the bottom right. would, would you hazard a guess as to where you might see yourself on that uh, particular scale 
Well, if the um, the birthday game's anything to go by, I expect to probably be uh, the top of the leaderboard within minutes. That's what we like. That's what yep. we like. So, five questions. Answer them as quickly as possible. Ten seconds added yes. on for any that you get wrong. Okay. Are you ready, Sean Goldsmith? I'm ready, James. Go. All right. Three, two, one. Start the clock. July 1981, the Japanese car maker Datsun changed its name to what? Mitsubishi. <laughs> Who beat England on penalties in the final of Euro 2020 at Wembley last July? Probably Germany. Victoria Adams married who in July 1999? David Beckham. Who famously sang to the crowd at Wimbledon when rain stopped playing in July 1996? Cliff Richard. And who became Prime Minister on the 13th of July 2016? Uh, David Cameron. Stop the clock. Jock against the clock. Ooh, so five questions. How do you yeah. think? When you, you think? Do you, do you think you got, got them all? I, no, no. I may have got three. You did it in thirty-six seconds. Now, as I look down oh. the, that is the second fastest that anyone's ever done it in. Before we have to then add on penalties. Uh, so only Angie Greaves from Smooth did it faster. She did it in thirty-five seconds. You did it in thirty-six. There's penalty points, uh, isn't there, James? You're letting me down nicely now. Well, let's have a look at your answers. So, uh, Datsun, what does it change? You said Mitsubishi. Yeah, uh, it was already there, wasn't it? It was Nissan. So, Datsun became <sighs> Nissan. Uh, who beat England on penalties in the final of Euro 2020 last July? You said Germany. It was Italy. Oh, I can't remember. Oh, gosh, I'm not winning now. Uh, Victoria Adams did marry David Beckham. That was correct. Uh, who serenaded the crown at Wimbledon? Of course, it was Sir Cliff Richard. Uh, and Prime Minister in 2016, you said David Cameron. It was Theresa May. Oh. So sadly, we've got to add on 30 seconds there for three incorrect answers. So that's going to put you on to 66 seconds. So um, this is going to sandwich you between let's have a look and see where you are on the leaderboard the radio essentials leaderboard so this is going to put you uh, as i desperately try and do calculations in my head so you are above danny milo uh on 64 seconds sorry 74 seconds and you are just below joe russell oh. on on 64, so you are fifth on the uh, leaderboard, and you are um, you are second only to Richard Allison in terms of of, of the male presenters on the uh, on the leaderboard. So that's not bad. No, that's all right. If only I'd got one of those others right, then I would have been sitting pretty there, wouldn't I? Oh, You'd been so right up towards the yeah. top. But you know, this is it. When you're under pressure, you know what? These are really, really hard. And I write these questions and think, oh, that's an easy one. But you think when you when the clock's ticking. They're not. None of them are easy. None of them I, are easy. I'd completely forgotten about the Italy game. To be honest with you, I had no idea on that. We all try to block that one out, though, don't yeah. we? So that's that's fair enough. Um, Sean, it's been brilliant chatting to you. Honestly, thank you so much for thank you for your time. Thank you for taking us through your brilliant radio career. And you know, I I truly hope that one day someone gives you a chance to be a postman, even if it's only for a day. <laughs> After this, I bet the offers will flood in. My inbox will be full of the Royal Mail saying, Sean, come and deliver some post for us. 
Ah, uh, as long as I can still wear headphones, I'll be fine. <laughs> brilliant. Sean, thank you so much. It's been brilliant having you on. Radio Essentials is all about providing content and services for radio people. Please check out radioessentials.com. Have a look at the brilliant membership options that are on there as well. If you're not already, follow us on the socials at Radio Essentials. And we'll be back soon with more great guests. So we'll see you soon. The Radio Essentials podcast. Visit Radio Essentials online, radioessentials.com.